Equality of educational opportunity has long been a stated goal of education in this province. The polka dot door, the polka dot door, let's peep through the polka dot door. Good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome once again to Saturday Night at the Movies. My name is Elwi Yost. Today's special, shout it loud and clear, today's special. When it comes to the arts and TVO, the first thing that probably comes to mind is Saturday Night at the Movies. But TVO's contributions to the arts were certainly beyond that. Shows such as Imprint set the stage for memorable interviews. And one of the people who was at the heart of all of this was Richard Azunian. Once upon a time, he was perhaps the most influential theatre critic in Canada, writing for the Toronto Star. But he was also the creative head of arts at TVO for five years. He also hosted his own show, Dialogue, interviewing the likes of actor Donald Sutherland. This dialogue is with Donald Sutherland. Donald, welcome to Dialogue. If I understand correctly, being an actor began for you going to the movies. It yeah. was great expectations? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, th I think probably I saw some Charlie Chan or stuff before that. Today on the podcast, we speak to Richard Azunian about his role and the dessert he made that was so good, it convinced Elwi Yost the iconic host of Saturday Night at the Movies, to extend his contract by a year. Mr. Pekin. I am here. I am here, too. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Azunian. How are you, sir? I am uh, all the better for hearing your voice. Very good. The last time we did radio together, of course, was, I think, Mr. Sinatra's passing, didn't we, oh, when we were talking? Do you know what, Richard? That is on my list of things to discuss, because I will never forget the fact that it was you who broke the news to me that... Um, you know, one of my all-time faves, Frank Sinatra, had died. I was up in Thunder Bay right. doing a shoot for TVO, and I picked up my voicemail, and there was you on my voicemail telling me the news. Uh, uh, well, I knew you would find it important. As I mean, we were both Sinatra fans, you know, huge ones, so and remain so. <laughs> and I'll, and uh, I'm trying to think now. That was how long ago was that? Was it 1998? Uh, I think something like been. that. I think, I think 98 you died. So all these years later, and I still remember your voice on my voicemail telling a, telling me, Snake, which yeah. is, of course, my nickname, Pate the Snake, what you always called me. Snake, I'm so sorry to tell you this. I, I know how you must be feeling, but. And I remember the date because it was my wedding anniversary. And you oh, remember my right. wedding anniversary, too, and send me notes saying, you know, celebrate your marriage and mourn Frank Sinatra. <laughs> exactly right. Isn't that funny? Okay, uh, very good. We are talking to Richard Azunian, who once upon a time, uh, was the creative head of arts programming at TVO. And Richard, uh, like, take us back now. Was it 1995 when you started at TVO? Well, I, that's when I started uh, as an executive. But the reason I guess I got into that position is I had been brought on by uh, Vodek Schomburg to be a member of the culture panel that was on uh, Studio Two. Right. So I, I had been on that for a couple of years. And I think what happened is uh, the powers that be around there heard me on that often enough and said, oh, he seems to understand what we're looking at, what we're thinking about, where we are. Maybe he should be the creative head of arts programming because there had been a very long search for one uh, after Daniel Richler decided to leave and go in other directions. Uh, I think the department was without one for several years before I came in. Well, that does raise the question, and don't sugarcoat this because we need to know the truth here. What kind of reputation did TVO have before you got there for arts programming? Um, it was largely riding on two things. 
both of which were very good things to write on, I have to say, which were imprint, uh, which under Daniel had become tremendously successful, was one of the major television culture forces in the province. Good evening. Welcome to Imprint. I'm Daniel Richler. This is Freedom to Read Week across Canada, with the exception of Quebec, where they claim they don't have a problem with censorship. Uh, and, of course, the long-running Saturday Night at the Movies with Elwi. Um, now, when I came in, among the other things that I was presented with as a problem was I had two problems presented to me. One of them was that Imprint was no longer as successful as it had been under Daniel. It was kind of in fact, getting panned relentlessly in the media. And the other was that Elwios had decided to retire. Mm. So uh, uh, I remember Peter Herndorf came to me and said, the first two things you have to do are stop those two bleeding points. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a tough mission because Imprint, as you point out, was a very successful book show. And Daniel had really, I mean, he was an iconic host uh, of that program. So as you, let's let's take these one at a time. As you considered your mission for what to do about Imprint, what did you do? Um, I guess the first thing, although we held endless auditions for hosts, uh, and we realized that no one person was going to fill the shoes of Daniel Richler, right? I mean, he was a mega personality, and he had done successful work there. Uh, and I think the problem was they had been looking at someone to be another Daniel. So we came up with the idea of doing a multiplicity of people uh, and dividing the show up. Um, uh, again, Mary Hines, who had been your co-host on Studio Two for a mm -hmm. while, was available, uh, and I grabbed her and put her into the slot. And then we also did things like saying we were going to have more panels. We were going to have um, specialty book reviewers, people reviewing thrillers, people reviewing cookbooks, people reviewing all kinds of things. So, and then we added a team of of reporters in the field and it kept growing and changing and evolving over the years um it, it was a total totally a very different show uh i think it was i'll be candid totally it never achieved again the power it had under daniel because i think something we all know in the media is if you have walter cronkite peter zowski and daniel richler people like that mega personalities driving a show they give it a, a scope and a weight that even the best regular host in the world can't duplicate. I even after Mary decided she had done enough, you know, we went around and looked at some other options and we had other co-hosts and things for a while, but it never was as successful. But I did drag it out of the ratings and, and uh, media slump it had been in. So that was I, I mission partially accomplished. <laughs> now I, I seem to recall Guy, Loza, uh, Guy Lawson was in there as well. Was he uh, we, was he part of your plan? No, he had been. He was uh, the person who had been hosting it when I took over, and I, I and I have to remember. I believe he had already been told by the powers that be before I came in that he would not be doing another year. I did not let Guy go myself. Gotcha. Because he did. A, I think he did a couple of years after yeah. after uh, Richler Daniel, and yeah. then uh, decided he wanted to go off and, and write books or uh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that was it. So it was I mean, I was being given a tabula rasa. You know, I had to blank page do with it as you see fit. OK, so now let's talk about Saturday Night at the Movies, because, of course, the, the most iconic host in TVO history is Elwi Ost. And how how long did you get to work with him before he indicated that he was going to retire? 
when I came in, I was told that this would be his last season. And he was only doing that, I think, as a favor to Peter Herndorf because there was no arts head, you know, there was no transition happening. Um, when I was offered the job, the first thing I came home and said to my wife, Pamela, was, I'd been asked to be Elio's boss. <laughs> and the thing is, even though I'm not a native Ontarian, Pam and I moved to Ontario in 79 for the first time. You're from and New York originally, aren't you? From New York. And then I went to Vancouver. Uh, I, I was in Vancouver for most of the 70s as a, in graduate school at UBC and then working in the theater. Uh, but when I came here, one of the first things we discovered was TV Ontario and specifically Magic Shadows with Elwin. Mm. We should just and, describe what that is, because uh, obviously we're going back 40 years now. People won't remember. Right. Elwi would take uh, a, a very popular movie, usually not a great movie, probably an entertaining movie more than anything else. It could be a B-movie from the 40s or a thriller of some kind. And he would break it up for five days. And they would show that movie over a period of five days as if it were a serial, you know, in the movie theaters. Uh, and there would be, of course, wonderful Elwi commentary and interviews and things stuck in. And what I'll never forget is my first week I discovered it, he happened to be doing it to one of my favorite movies, which was John Ford's Drums Along the Mohawk, starring Henry <laughs> Fonda. You didn't get scared, did you, at what that fellow just said about the Tories and the Indians? I wasn't even thinking about Indians. What were you thinking about? I was just wondering if you loved me as much as I love you. I was hooked. I thought this guy was great. His show was great. And then I discovered, you know, he had this Saturday night thing. And especially during I, I my daughter first came into the world in 1985 and my son in 1989 and then we moved back to toronto from halifax where i had been and with two young kids you don't go out on saturday night you stay home and after a while my daughter would come downstairs on saturday mornings and say dad what's on elwi tonight <laughs> and that's so, what you know you've hit the big time when when your kids start referring to this guy with just his first name oh absolutely and the thing now this is interesting for again people today to understand uh i was in the last years of of tv ontario or before the cable network system the the networks kind of crumbled right and mm -hmm. specialties started coming up and people will find this maybe hard to understand but if Elwi had a really good movie on Saturday night and Hockey Night in Canada was not ringing a lot of bells that night, Elwi would be the number one show in Ontario. Isn't that something? Huh. And I was then, of course, I got greedy about it, you know, and I looked at the ratings and thought this is great. And Risa Schumann, his executive producer, also loved the show being successful. So we lobbied and lobbied to get even better movies. Uh, and to do even bigger name stars on Hollywood. And I mean, it, it got to the point where if Elwi didn't take number one that week, I would be disappointed and want to find out why. <laughs> uh, but what what do you do then when you know you have Elwi for one year and you basically have to, how do you begin to replace the biggest iconic name in TVO history? 
Well, I think this is a good na- good exercise to tell anybody is you don't just suddenly come up to someone when it's contract renewal time and say, oh, but we really need you. I let Elwee know from the beginning how much I loved his work and loved him and appreciated him. And we got very close over the years I was at TVO. And many times he would say, Richard, I just can't take it anymore. I've got to go back to BC. I'm too old. I can't do this. And we would juggle taping schedules and we would move things around. And as well, as somebody even said, there was one time, the penultimate time, I brought out the heavy guns. I cooked dinner for him. (laughs) (laughs) Did, Did that work? It worked. I even invented a dessert in his honor, which I still make. In fact, I will never forget this dinner was just before Christmas. And uh, it was it was a white chocolate bread pudding with pralines in it and dotted with dried cranberries. And Elwi had two, maybe three portions. And at the end of it, he said, all right, I'll stay another year, Richard. So <laughs> for many years, that that dish was a fixture at Christmas Eve parties at our house. And every time I made it, I would tell people that was created for a Yost. Ah, that's great. Good story. Good story. So, but eventually he does decide that, and people forget this, he lived in British Columbia. He used to have right. to travel to Ontario to tape the show. Um, what did you eventually do when that moment came? Well, again, I ignored my own good advice. I told you a few minutes ago was don't try to replace Daniel Richler. Well, I felt we had to replace Elwee. And I went to Sheila Rogers, uh, who was one of the most beloved hosts in Canada at the time. Delight on CBC radio. And had left Morningside and everything and, you know, wanted to go off in new directions. And uh, she loved movies as well. And she had the same warmth and the same kind of gemütlichkeit that Elwi had. Uh, but she was just never really comfortable. And Sheila was and is a good friend. And every week I'd be down in the studio with her trying to tell her to relax and don't worry about the camera and don't worry about this. And uh, and even though she was a great interviewer, she was a little bit gun shy about doing movie stars. Right. She could you know, she loved to talk to cultural people, to book people and things like that. So uh, there were occasions where we started to lean more and more on Tom Ernst, who later went on. He was, you know, one of the, the head researchers on it. And there'd be times in L.A. where he would do the interviews uh, and uh not on camera at first, you know, and in fact, that was something that continued for many years after I left and Sheila left is Saturday night at the movies continued and there were a lot of interviews, but it was, I believe, hostless. Right. Hmm. Uh, and that was, I guess, a decision they made. And Sheila, although, you know, beloved, was not Elwi. Uh, and that unfortunately didn't work terrifically. You don't destroy a brand because we weren't changing the brand. We were kind of changing the person delivering the brand. So, uh, the, but the ratings went down. And part of that was, this was around the time all the specialty networks were starting, uh, not the streaming networks. I mean, I guess, again, viewers have to understand, first, there was the world of this is what you get on your cable box, you know, the standard network shows. And then it was, oh, now we're adding News World, and now we're adding Bravo, and now we're adding A&E, and now we're adding all of this. And then came, of course, later on the next wave, which was Netflix, Netflix Prime, mm. all the others. But once all the specialty networks came, and there were networks doing nothing but old movies, it got a lot harder out there. 
uh, and it got harder to get the movies. Um, in fact, I remember just shortly before, I'd say maybe three, four months before I left TV Ontario, um, I had I inked a tremendous deal to get a great package of movies for us, which helped carry us forward for another three to four years. Uh, and it was a lot of great titles. And I remember, you know, our legal department and Risa Schumann and myself, like really labored over it to get those pictures because the two parts of Saturday Night at the Movies were the person who hosted it. No, three parts. The pe person who hosted it, the pictures they showed and the interviews. Yeah. So it was a three pack and you had to try to keep the pack as strong as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, tell me about a show, because I think you hosted a show as well for TVO. I think more than 100 episodes called Dialogue. Welcome to Dialogue. I'm Richard Uzunian. What was yes. that all about? Well, again, we I came in one day and said, you know, uh, Studio Two is is bringing a lot of people on in terms of of guest performance, or if they're doing an immediate thing, like the news people, right? You used to have oh, there's a news story involving someone from the opera, the symphony. We'll get them on, or or we have a great jazz performer. We'll get them on, but nobody was doing kind of in depth chats with people. At, <clears throat> just to, like let's look at your career and what you've done for Ontario. And uh, I presented that as a package. And I said, I would like to do a half hour feature once a week. I actually did 96 of them, it might've been 97. Huh. It was four full seasons. Um, and there were two interesting things about it I really liked. One was as a point of honor to me, we ran the cameras for the exact length of time of the show. Uh, two cameras ran, one on me, one on the guest. So we live never, to tape, no editing. It was live to tape, no editing. All we ever edited was our, you know, go for cut from Richard to the guest, Richard to the guest, Richard to the guest, two shot, things like that. But there was no editing and it put the pressure on me. And you know, the pressure of live to get it right and to shape it and to drive it. And when I would get the five minute signal and the three minute signal, I knew I had to deliver the rest of the goods. Mm -hmm. So that was point A I loved. Point B was, <clears throat> except for I can literally recall two times everybody we interviewed was somebody who was working and living and performing in Ontario. That to me was a big point. Uh, the only two exceptions were Donald Sutherland came through town at one point and he's a, you know, a Canadian superstar, but he wasn't living here, but we grabbed him. And of course, Risa Schumann, always an inventive woman, found a way to make it a two-pack because we had a Donald Sutherland movie on Saturday night at the movies. So I did a half hour for dialogue and then we did another half hour for Saturday night at the movies. And the other person I did because she had come to town to do a, a, a project for Garth Drabinsky was Gwen Verdon, uh, mm. the great Broadway star. And I felt I just had to do her. But other than that, everybody else I can still remember the first one we ever did was the comedian Sandra Shamus, who oh, I yes. loved, was at that point at the height of her fame. And she did something sneaky to me, but I loved it in retrospect. I didn't know that her life had undergone a major change. She had kept it all very quiet. What happened, she later turned this into a whole variety of shows, but her and her boyfriend were built a farm in the country and they were going to move in and live there and continue their careers. 
And the day she signed the deed to the farm, he said, we're breaking up. Oh, my goodness. And Sandra just went, well, I got the farm. I'm a farm girl now. And she stayed there on her own. And she, if, if you follow her to this day, you'll know that she kept it going. And it's a working farm. And she also kept her comedy going, I'd say at least 15, maybe close to 20 years after that. She hasn't done much lately. But what happened is I said, so, Sandra, you got a farm. Tell me how it's going. <laughs> and she dropped the bomb in the interview. Oh, and boy. she deliberately, I think she was smart enough to know, well, this is going to be the first episode of this show on TV Ontario. It'll get attention. I might as well go big. And she told me the whole saga. And I was just running to keep up with her. You know, you know, <laughs> but what was it like? What was it like? And of course, she later turned it into an amazing show called Wit's End, which came back twice and broke house records all over Toronto. Uh, but we had it first on TVO. Also, in those early weeks, it was great. I would just say, who's around I want to talk to? Toller Cranston, come on. Uh, oh, the great Toller Cranston story. Uh, you know, we were still figure a skating champion, Canadian figure, figure skating, skating champion. champion and very flamboyant individual. Right. Very flamboyant. And sometimes we would, you know, we I always tried to look decent opposite the guest. Right. And I said, so, Mr. Cranston, can I just ask you what you're going to be wearing this week? You know, and he said, darling, what do you think? Basic black string of pearls, light day makeup and no lashes. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's great. So anyway, uh, that, that's how dialogue went. And bless TV Ontario's heart, every one of those interviews is is available today still. People can look them up and see them. That's terrific. Uh, Richard, uh, I mean, you had so many great years at TVO. You had great years as the theater critic for the Toronto Star. I think everybody remembers your work there. Um, you left the star, I guess, a few years ago. What are you up to these days? Um, I'm keeping very busy, luckily. Uh, I decided to go back to my very first love, which was stage directing, right, which I had done for many years. Uh, I had started, you know, in 1972 in Vancouver, and I guess I did it up until 1990 full time. Then I started to work at CBC and TVO and the star. But um, I've been directing I directed a huge $10 million production of a Canadian musical called Napoleon, if you remember that. I sure do, yes. Well, a, a, a Korean producer decided he wanted it, so he flew me out to Seoul uh, about three years ago, and I directed this giant production of it there. Um, I directed another version of Napoleon in New York. I've been working for the Stratford Festival. Uh, I did a... a a production of the Fantastics with Eric McCormick in concert and one of the House of Martin Gare with Shalina Kennedy. Uh, you know, I've been doing all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I'm, I was supposed to be doing a giant production of Stephen Sondheim's Follies in Concert, his musical that was going to open this October at Kerner Hall. Uh, Mervon Mehta asked me to do it for the Royal Conservatory. And again, we had Cynthia Dale, Shalina Kennedy, Eric McCormick, all these great people. It has been postponed a year. Of course, but I'm kept busy. And then, hey, to show you, I still keep up with the times, Steve. Uh, I actually directed a full scale musical on Zoom <laughs> this May. Wow. Uh, for It was a new musical written by a friend of mine named Dan Abrahamson and uh, Bravo Academy, a training program, a wonderful training program for musical theater students, wanted to do it. And I said, sure. And I thought it was going to get canceled. And uh, Melissa Bensick, who runs the program, said, no, we won't cancel it. We'll do it on Zoom. So I auditioned it on Zoom 
workshopped it on Zoom, rehearsed it on Zoom and performed it on Zoom. Amazing. It was an education. And um, the immersive Van Gogh exhibit that's in town right now. Uh, I've seen it. Beautiful. Absolutely it. beautiful. Well, you have to make sure you buy a copy of the souvenir book because I wrote all the text for it. <laughs> huh. Okay. Terrific. Corey Ross, the producer, knew I you know, loved Van Gogh and brought me in to do that. So I'm still working around Touchwood as best I can, you know, and uh, and enjoying myself as much as I can. Now, if memory serves, you either just turned 70 or about to turn 70. I turned 70 in March. You did. You are the Energizer Bunny of Impresarios. <laughs> I got to tell you, well done. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. That's Richard Azunia, theater critic extraordinaire for the Toronto Star for so many years, and once upon a time, creative head for the arts at TV Ontario, TVO. Richard, thanks. So great to talk to you. Thanks, Steve. And that's it for us. This episode of TVO at 50 was produced by Katie O'Connor and Matthew O'Mara. Editing by Donnie Swanson. Research help from Kate Petch and Carol Elder. Our production support coordinators are Jonathan Hallowell and Nikki Ashworth. We want you to share your TVO memories. What does TVO mean to you? Well, record yourself and email the audio to us using the address tvo at 50 at tvo.org. That's TVO AT and the numbers 50 at tvo.org. And we'll play these on future episodes. Next time on the podcast. For the longest time, I didn't officially work in the membership department. I still was working in sales and licensing and doing this all as a volunteer. So I, was I was just going to ask you, extra. did they pay you? They did not pay you no, extra to do this. No. Even though you were bringing in millions of dollars, they didn't pay you extra. You should <laughs> no. have negotiated a piece of the action, Joanne. You know what? My pay was was doing something I loved, right? Love what you do. And I really did truly love it. And I believed in the mission of TVO. That that was the real key there. And I think that's why I was so sincere, because I truly believed in the programming that we were delivering was educational and great for the province of Ontario. And I still do to this day. I'm Steve Pakin. Bye-bye. <laughs>